Carl here from Games Brains of Bang Live, GBHBL.com for sure. And it is my pleasure to be speaking with Ash Gray, guitarist of Death Metal Trailblazers, Venom Prison. Ash, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. How's your day been? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Yeah, pretty, pretty standard Tuesday. It is Tuesday, I believe. I've lost it's... track of everything. Yeah, not bad. How, how about yourself? Yeah, yeah, same old, same old. I'm off work at the moment because I'm waiting for a, a COVID net test to come in. But other than that, I'm fine, you know? <laughs> That's all we can do right now, isn't it, really? That is. Any sniffle, any hint of what would normally be a cold sends you down that pathway. It's uh, the modern times, right? Yeah, still adjusting to that. Talking of which, then, how about your whole 2020? How have you been holding up throughout this year now that we live in these times? Surprisingly busier than I thought I would be. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've kept myself busy. I mean, especially with Venom Prison, like we've had to adjust to all this stuff going on. So we are like finding new ways to kind of entertain, if that's what you want to say. Mm. Um, so it has been a lot more work than I anticipated because I was kind of like, oh no, this is going to be such a quiet year. When all the tours started cancelling, um, I just kind of thought to myself, I was like, oh no, this isn't, this isn't great. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Yeah. And then it just kind of, you know, it clicked and I was like, well, we're going to just have to adjust to it. We're going to have to figure ways to get around this until we can get back on the road. But in terms of like live streams and, you know, just we've got this re-release coming and stuff like it, it's been enough to keep us busy with writing on top of that. So it, it hasn't been as quiet as I thought it would be. Interesting, because like the common theme that when we're talking to other bands and artists and musicians, that this period has been, there's been some light in that it's taken some pressure off bands and artists and someone who've been releasing new material um, this year. Has that worked in the same way for you? It hasn't been less pressure filled? The pressure's been there, definitely. Okay. Um, it's just, it's kind of just like, Forgetting everything that you knew. It, it's, and as weird as that sounds, it, it's just kind of like in your head, you've just got to throw it out the window and just say, I am not going on tour this year. Yeah. What am I going to do that is equally going to fulfill what this band needs us to do? So it, it's quite surreal, really, because like you just start thinking of all these different things, things like avenues that you've didn't even think you would kind of go down and stuff. And it's like, it's quite interesting at the same time, because I think now it's to the point where like, we are having to utilize technology to like, you know, it's maximum capacity. Like we're finding ways to just be like, right. Okay. How are we going to get through this? Mm. Technology is going to have to be our best friend through this. And yeah. It has been really like, if you look at things even outside of music, you know, you see, like, for example, like, just off the top of my head, like, I know certain people who do, like, a family quiz on a Friday night all through Zoom and stuff. And it, it's, like, it, it's quite cool to see because it, I was having this discussion not long ago. It's not like it hasn't been there before. It's always been there. We've just never bothered to use it to that extent. Yeah. So seeing it being used now, it's like, right, you can all finally appreciate all these years that people called me a nerd... I'm now the fucking coolest guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Six months ago, I'd never even heard of Zoom. It was Skype and that was it. That was, my belief, was the only way people communicated online. 
and now I don't know how I could live without Zoom in regards to just getting on with things. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's surreal that we've kind of been pushed to this way where something we've had in our hands every day and something our hands have touched every day have now become, you know, an essential utility for us. Like, you know, people working from home in home office and it, it also makes you think as well, like when you kind of think about a lot of these offices and stuff and you kind of think, did you ever need to be there? Mm. You know, like yeah. a lot of that, like I can imagine there's a lot of overheads for bringing that many people into an office. I know like obviously essential workers and stuff, like unfortunately they, there is no way around that. Yeah. They are very important people and they do have to be, you know, on the front line. But I think, yeah, like you kind of see all these businesses now where like, I know I've heard like a lot of them kind of turn around and say, do you know what? You're never coming back into the office. This is working. Yeah, you do hear that, don't you? I mean, as a cynical part of me that goes, well, if tomorrow it disappeared and life could return back to some form of normality as it was before, that these big businesses wouldn't just turn around and be like, you know what, back to how it was, get on the commute, carry on as, as was always. It's kind of hard to not believe that that would happen. But then it's, it's, it's almost impossible to predict what tomorrow will bring, let alone what a month will bring. Yeah, it's like there are perks. There are perks to it. Like, I mean, this this conversation could go on for hours and hours. But like, even if we touch on it briefly, of like, I was saying to someone, I would really like to see how this year has affected the environment. As in, you know, like, you know, emissions and mm. you know, commuting is obviously decreasing. Like, there has to be some benefit from this. Mm. Do you remember when, when the kind of lockdown period, properly lockdown had kind of hit? I remember hearing that uh, emissions, because obviously lack of car use, people not going in, had dropped. But I don't know how like relevant that is now because car use has obviously increased and less yeah. people. I mean, I'll tell you, we'll say, my job is the tube, London Underground. So I firsthand sort of see the whole traveling public as it was. And that ridership is dropped significantly and even though it's going back up it's still like 70 percent below what it normally would be at this time so either people aren't going in or they're in their cars so i don't i don't know about the environment environmental impact it's definitely something that i think it, it there must be a slight positive from hmm. it somewhere along the lines you'd hope so but as you say we could talk about that all night long yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> Well, you. So as of the time of recording, we're a matter of days away. Literally, what, Tuesday? So three days away from the release of Primeval. A release that combines re-recorded, remixed, and remastered versions of the tracks from Defy the Tyrant and the Primal Chaos EPs from 2015, as well as two new tracks. Where's your head at in regards to this release? I, I, I love it. I yeah? love it. And the only reason being is that a lot of people always ask, was this a lockdown plan? Of course. This was recorded in December. So we've been sat on this for some time now. So a lot of people were just like, oh, are Venom Prison just doing that because we're in this lockdown? He's like, no, this was actually always something we set out to do. We did it in December. It was recorded mm. and mastered in December. So this was something that was supposed to be done after our first full length Animus. Oh, wow. So we never got round to it because Torin just, when we released Animus, we were still a new band. Like Animus came out in 2016, I think. Yeah, 2016. So we'd only been a band for a year at that point. Mm. So 
I always said to myself, okay, those demo, that demo and that EP, the demo firstly, I recorded it in my apartment living room at the time. And it was just, it was just me. And I basically recorded everything. I remember putting like sofa cushions over the cabinets and trying to like not make the neighbors go insane. Soundproofing. <laughs> and like, that was, that's how that demo was recorded. And that's pretty much how I got everyone in the band because I had the demo and I presented it and I spoke to all the people who are in the band now. And I was like, are you in? Like, this is a demo I've got. What do you think? And who we have in Venom Prison now, we're all just like, I'm in, like, yeah. let's do this. So they never had a chance to put themselves on that recording. And maybe not to everybody, but to me, when I've, you know, we've been playing as a band for five years now, it's like, I know everybody's like traits as musicians. And every time I'd listen to that demo, I could just hear it was me. And I was oh. like, it would annoy me. It would annoy me because I was like, if Ben was on this, it wouldn't sound like this. If Mike was on this, it wouldn't sound like this. If Joe and it, it annoyed me a lot. And I always said, guys, I really want to re-record this and just kind of give it the life it deserves to have with the band Venom Prison rather than myself. Yeah, yeah. So it's so, almost like it's almost like completely fresh then for you to it in a certain degree. It's new to me. It's very new to me because the only thing I did coming into this was I basically had all the, the songs and I just basically did like demo versions like at home and stuff and just said, guys, this is the root and the foundation of these songs. Go and put yourselves on them. And that was how it came to life because for me, obviously like Larissa did vocals on the demo, um, but even like her progression from the demo to now yeah like it's significantly improve it's a massive improvement and i think that is why i wanted to do it and i wanted to do it after animus and then i didn't realize that animus had what's going to get the response it did and then all the tours started coming in and then we were like on the road all the time and then it was coming to the end of that cycle and i was like oh let's do it now and then you know label and everyone else were like it's time for a new album not a re-release so I was like, I was like, okay, okay. So then we did Samsara and then, you know, a year, well, not just after a year into Samsara, I was like, is now the right time to do it? Yeah. So that's how we did it because we'd already started writing album free at that point. And I said to him, I was like, guys, we can still do this because even if we are writing album free, it's not going to affect anything because it's not like you have to do anything. It, the songs are there. We just need to re-record them. So it wasn't like time was an issue with that release because it was written, it was ready. So that led on to kind of these two new tracks, which are the most important tracks to me because they are the songs that are post Samsara. So there is kind of, you can see there's like a lot of linking going in between all these releases where for me, I was like, okay, these two new songs are post Samsara. So this is now going to be the indication of where album three is going. And that was already written alongside album three. So it all links seamlessly in my head. It does anyway. But it's ultimately was never supposed to be the case. As you said, do you think then in, in a way it was better that you were forced to wait to um, this later point to do this, do this re-recording. Not just because of the links to the third album, where you're going in that direction, 
but also because I guess of the talents of you all as individuals and as a band, the learning experience that you would have gained from the tours. Yeah, 100%, definitely. Um, I'm glad it landed where it did because if it was done after Animus, those bonus songs wouldn't have existed. Oh, yeah. So that would kind of would have been like a massive, you know, like, oh, no, like, what have I done? Maybe I did kind of get too ahead of myself. <laughs> so the advice I was given was probably right, which I finally admitted. Um, <laughs> but... um. Yeah, I think, like, for me, it's, like, it's just those two bonus songs. Like, I know, obviously, those songs have now got life, but that was more of a bucket list thing in my head where I was just, like, even if no one cares about this, this is just something I need to get off my chest. I need yep. to just get it done, and I'll be satisfied. So that's kind of how it played out. It's nice to be able to draw on a line under a, a draw a line under that period of your thinking, I guess, and process and what you needed to do. Because let's, you know, be honest... Early Venom Prison isn't wildly different to modern Venom Prison in that sense. You are still very much the same band. So if, if someone's not aware of that early back catalogue, the early demo and EP, it's not going to be like a shock what they listen to. It's just more of a refined beast these days, right? Yeah, definitely. I think the only thing this band has kind of done through the, its age of doing release after releases, we've learned new tricks and influences. Mm. So for me, it was like, when we did Animus, I was like, Animus has to be the bare bones of this band. And then that's what Animus was. It was just the bare bones of what Venom Prison could do. Yeah. And then when we did, because we always talk about it before we write, like I have to like always like vision it and picture how it needs to sound before mm. it's written. And then it got to the point where it was like, right, okay, Animus is written. It's the bare bones of this band. People understand what this band is then we got to samsara and i was like right now this is where we need to start bringing this progression in new influences in and we need to kind of show the more technical aspect of venom prison which is where samsara sits and then album three then same again we've now changed what we're doing in a way so it's not like any album is going to be identical to each other because each album is going to kind of start introducing new things mm -hmm. every time so yeah like album three is like getting me very excited as well like the way it, it's different it's definitely it still has the aggression it still mm -hmm. has that but it's a different album well very few bands and artists can get away with doing the same thing per album and sustaining a long career very few Plus, I think as fans, surely the idea is we would want yourselves to be as imaginative as you need to be, whatever comes into your head and however you want to put it down. And as you say, without losing your core sound, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Like for me, for me, I know, when we started this band, like we were all in bands before this and Venom Prism was just something that we all wanted to do as individuals. We never really knew where it was going. We never really knew it was going to get a response it did. And every time we've written a Venom Prism record, we've never really sat back and gone, oh, I hope someone likes this. <laughs> it was just what we heard in our, like, our heads and how we wanted to do it. And then when we were like, when, you know, a couple of weeks ago or whatever, you know, writing for album three, and it was like, oh, is this a bit too different? And the first thing I said was, I don't care. Yeah. 
I don't care if it's too different. Like at the end of the day, musicians have their own sound and regardless of if the songs sound different, that musician will always have its trait and sound. And I think that's kind of the exciting thing. Like I could have just kind of copy and pasted Animus three times, but I didn't want to. And I think that's why these bonus songs are very exciting because it's introduced something. Well, you've, you've mentioned them a couple of times, two bonus tracks. What will arguably be the most appealing thing for diehard fans who already know your back catalogue really, really well will be these two new tracks. We have Defiant to the Will of God and Slayer of Holfernis. I think Holfernis. Don't worry, I only learned that the other day as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I was reading that over have... again earlier on, hoping I'd get it right. Both tracks, while they were undoubtedly Venom Prison, you only need to hear them, and you can hear there is progression and detail in it and stuff that took me by surprise. That's the bit I was looking for. That, mm. The bit that took you surprise is the bit that I was looking for. Mm. Because that was something that I was very focused on getting across, where it was like, okay, we've done, you know, the chaotic, aggressive songs, which, I mean, they still are. They yeah. definitely still are. But... I was like, right, I want to sit down now and structurally think about how these songs sound. I don't want to just do four minutes of, you know, high tense velocity, you know, madness. I want to really make this calculated. And that was kind of where then I started sitting down with the vocals and being like, getting to like choruses, which I've never said that word in Venom Prison. I know, unbelievable, amazing. <laughs> like I've never said that word in this band in five years. That, I sat there and said, I want this song to have a chorus. And everyone looked at me and just went, what's happened to you? <laughs> and I was like, the problem is, is that I, I believed that we were able to do it without making it cheesy. Mm -hmm. I believed we were that band. I believe we are that band to not make cheesy choruses. Like we're, we're not that type of people. Like we, we're not, we're not capable of doing that. So in my head, I was just like, this chorus needs to be huge. Like I need these vocal layers. I need, I need something that just sounds surreal that we've never ventured to before. Mm. And then as soon as that happened, that's when it twigged and I was like, I know where this is going later. That was when then I could start to say to myself, I know where I want to take these now. Cause those, those two new songs are almost an experiment to myself to kind of sit there and say, can we do that? Yeah, it's interesting to use the word experiment because I do wonder if uh, that's how people are going to view them as an experiment and just you guys putting a couple of throwaway tracks on it because you wanted to, as you say, experiment, but then you would just continue down the, the similar path, as you said, on the next album. But obviously that's not going to be the case. Yeah, it, it, it's it's all though like for me it's all about just trying to do something that we haven't quite done before but still being able to hear it you know from a distance and say that's venom prison yes absolutely and i think that was the most important bit to me was the fact that when we sat back and listened to these songs everyone was like we've never done choruses we've never done clean sections we've never done this and I was like, well, why? It, it doesn't have to be cheesy. It doesn't have to be, it can be miserable. It can be very atmospheric. We can make it very, you know, we can make it something that is our own, that a lot of bands 
either commit to and take it straight down the route of going very cheesy, or they then try and go, actually, we're going to do our own thing that could, you know, make our signature sound. That was what it was about, was making our signature sound. Everyone knows what Venom Prism sounds like, but no one's ever heard what Venom Prism would sound like if it was a longevity band. Mm, interesting choice of words. It's as well, ultimately, as you say, everybody knows what Venom Prism are, Venom Prison are and it begins with death metal band. Whereas, of course, as musicians, you're going to have way more layers, influences, and focuses way beyond that. Surely this is just an opportunity to get into that complicated um, stage of labels where it becomes the death metal, but they, oh, they've got a bit of progressive about them, or they've got this and they've got that and they've got that. And so you can't just pigeonhole you so easily. It, it's weird, like, how it all kind of, like, started to sink in. And it's weird, and, I mean... I have to thank Carcass for this. Even though, you know, sound-wise, people might be like, what's he on about? But it's not about the sound. It's mm -hmm. about when Heartwork was released, it didn't sound like anything Carcass has ever done. Yeah. And it was the biggest risk they ever took as a band. But that album made their sound. Yeah. They did records before, and everyone was like, oh, it's Carcass. But when that album came out, they were like, wow, this is different, but maybe this is their sound that they should have had all along. And that's how I felt with it. I was like, when I listened back to, especially um, Slayer of Holofernes, like, I sat there and went, maybe we should have sounded like this all <laughs> along. Like, maybe that was the right way we should have gone, but we were too worried. And then it got to the point where I was like, I don't care. Like, it, I want to make sure that this band shows off what it can show off and you know present to people so do you you, th you think you're gonna be um stuck to the computer screen so to speak checking out reactions when the album is dropped on friday then it might be a bit late because album three is almost finished <laughs> but i mean <laughs> it made me happy it made it made everyone in the band when we like sat down and listened to the mastered version i remember just sat down with them and we all kind of were just like, this is right. Mm. We all just said to each other, we were like, this is right. This is, this feels right. This sounds right. This doesn't make me, it doesn't make me cringe. I listen to it and I'm like, yeah, that, that works. And I, yeah. I think that's kind of just had to go with my gut and just say, this is the right decision for this band. I mean, it's not like we've, I say it as if we've done something drastic, but obviously you know yourself, like it, it's not as drastic as you think it will be when you listen to it. It's just, it just clicks. Yeah. And that's how I felt. And I said to the, the rest of the guys in Baron Prison, I said like, it clicked with me. It just clicked. And like, I'm normally, me and Ben are normally the last ones in the band for anything to click with. Okay. Like, because we, we write, we sit and we write relentlessly, like, all the time. And it's normally me and Ben that are the ones that are the last ones to go, this is okay. And I sat with Ben and he was like, this is very good. And I was like, I'm glad you agree because I was thinking the same. So that is why I love this release. That's why I really like this release is because it's given me a chance to kind of go, I want to come out of my comfort zone and I want to experiment. And it... In my head, it worked. 
your enthusiasm is it's it's thrilling to hear and as you said i'm already aware of these tracks but you you recreate excitement in me as if i need to hear them fresh again and it's interesting because it has been dare i say a meteoric rise for venom prison over the last five years and when it comes to handling expectations they say two albums already two studio albums this re-release plus the new tracks and a third one in the work how are you handling those expectations not just from the fan base but say from the label and stuff like that um there are they i think anyone that says it doesn't bother them is not always telling the truth like yeah. there there is always that constant thing in the back of my mind because we spend so much time on it yeah. it's something we spend hours and hours and hours you know fixating over and picking it apart and criticizing it like we criticize everything we do until it gets released and that's when we forget about it it's done mm -hmm. it's in the past i can't change it but until it gets recorded i will literally criticize it every second i can until it's recorded and done and i'm like done walk away it i cannot change this now but i think in my head I always think that everyone in Venom Prison is very musically minded. Like everyone in Venom Prison does have a very good ear. And I feel like if it was a bad decision, at least one set of ears would flag it up. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like normally it's me and Ben will go off and write and then we'll send it. And then Mike, who plays bass, he's normally the one that will like, critique it and kind of say, hmm, don't know, don't know about this. And I'm like, well, if you're saying that, then someone else will say it. So you're right. I will go and change it. And that's kind of how we do the writing process is we, you know, kind of take everyone else away from it until it's done and then say, first impressions, what do you think? And then it'll be like a certain section, it'll be like, no. And I'm like, well, if you say no, you're right. Because I'm too fixated on it now. I can't, you know, I can't let it go yeah but i think I, I feel confident i do feel confident like the way we've been doing these demos for like album free and like obviously i've been sending them to like um you know people label or you know anything like that and they're very confident in it as well and like i do always say to them i'm like guys i don't need you to be nice about this you know i need you to be honest about this mm -hmm. and they were just like you've 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 done something new for this band and it's positive you know what i mean it's not like you've gone in a direction where they've gone hang on you are just trying to sell out here yeah 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 you're starting to do stadium rock music yeah exactly <laughs> so that that's kind of the way i always treat it i i always take in criticism i always you know, listen to what others say because I just get so lost in it that I can't hear these things. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, you're also kind of considered, uh, reputation-wise, at least amongst fan base, as being like an honest, straight-talking, grounded uh, band in the, one of the biggest ones in the heavy scene right now. Do you think that attitude and that kind of life focus that people associate with you has helped your appeal? Yeah, de definitely. I think... It... I think at the end of the day, like, we're just like everybody else. Like, nobody in this band is any different from anyone else in this world. Like, and I think 
for me, when someone praises the band or, you know, someone speaks to me, like, I, I really appreciate it because, you know, it's something that we built from nothing. So yeah. the fact that we built it from nothing and someone can appreciate something that we've built from nothing, it's like, you can't help but appreciate them, if you know what I mean. Like, it, if it wasn't for people talking about this band, if it wasn't for people buying merch, coming to shows, like, we wouldn't be in the situation we are right now. And I mean, we've still got many years to, to grow and improve and, you know, make ourselves better. And I think just being honest with people and even with like, you know, the way we are as people and views, like, I don't want to put a smoke screen over Venom Prison. Like, I want people to see who we are as people, you know? Because yeah. I think sometimes people always want to kind of pick up a band name and just be like, it's just a band. And it's like, no, there's quite a lot of people behind this name who are also real people. And I think yeah. that's kind of why I'm very forward all the time, because it's like, I am, you know, we do everything that everyone else does. You know, we go and hang out, we go to work, we do everything. Like, there's nothing different about people in this band. You know how it goes, though. Once you are a musician and a successful one, whatever that means these days, you are almost put on a pedestal to a degree. And you do lose that sense of reality where you almost seem um, oh, dis distant, like, you know, untouchable and so on. And of course, that's not the case. You go to a Venom Prison show, wherever it might be, and it's very, very visceral and very in your face. And there's a clear connection between you and the audience. Yet that has turned into, rightfully, what is growth that feels quite phenomenal, really. Yeah, it, it, it amazes me still. Like, I do look back now. Like, I'm very always forward thinking. Mm. I'm always always thinking about the next thing. I don't really sit down and think about past things too much. Yeah. This year has helped that. Like, this year has definitely helped me understand what this band has done because since 2015, we've either been on tour or writing or in the studio or doing, you know, music videos, whatever type stuff. So like, I never had much time to sit down and like really reflect and, you know, look at everything. So this year I've kind of spent that doing that and it kind of took me by surprise as well to think like, wow, like we, we, we've got this far, but I always say to myself, like, you know, the higher you are, the harder you can fall. So, I always take that into consideration that this band is growing, but you know, you, like you said, like people go on a pedestal and they use like some ego or whatever, or abuse of power in some mm. cases. And they're the people who are, you know, higher and they're the ones that eat shit and fall to the bottom. And I think that's because they forget who they were, you know? Yeah. But I think it's easier to stay more grounded these days thanks to the simple fact that it's not about record sales anymore. It's about how many likes you've got on social media or how many subscriptions and follows and so on and so forth. Yeah, I think digital age of music as such, like, you know, very social media age of it is definitely dictating a lot of what a band should be as mm. such, if you know what I mean. And I think that's where we got away a bit lucky as such because when we were starting you know as a band and we were doing the full length and the first full length sorry um we were lucky enough to have people who were like backing us and supporting us yeah. and taking us out our numbers may not have meet you know met 
what some bands want to take out on tour, for example, like Trivium. Mm. Our numbers do not match what a Trivium, you know, support band should look like. But they listened to the band and they got to know the band. And like Matt was speaking to like Larissa and like um, Ben and stuff like quite a bit. And I think they just got to know the band and kind of said, hang on a minute these guys are just being genuine and they are trying to progress as a band of musicians. So we are just going to accept this and make them the support band on this tour. And I think we got lucky with that because I know a lot of, you know, especially with like booking agents and stuff like that, they'll look for support bands and go, hmm, I don't know, they've only got 7,000 likes on Facebook. And it's like, but they're a great band. And that's where the social media age of music starts to have its downfall. But I mean, it, it's definitely tough. Like, I see a lot of bands who definitely do deserve more recognition yeah. and don't receive it. But unfortunately, there isn't anything I can do about it. If there was, I would. I mean, like, when we do headline tours and stuff, like, I always make sure that we take bands that we want to take yeah. on tour with us and stuff because I remember how hard it was when we started to kind of be like, oh shit, what are we going to do now? So you've got a helping hand. So when the opportunity arises for you guys to do it, you give that helping hand hand out too, you know? Definitely, definitely. Talking of which though, then we're talking about the future. Uh, although it seems like we're a very long way from live shows being back to any semblance of normalcy. Fingers crossed, we'll be seeing you in the UK, um, throughout the UK and Europe at the end of January. How stoked are you for this tour to go ahead? I'm, I am very stoked, but I also have to be very transparent with myself. Like when, when I was like, when I was writing the post for it, the first thing I thought in my head was that I want to write something at the bottom of the status, just saying, I'm very aware. <laughs> like I also live on planet earth as well. I also watch the news. I also have a television. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that like, and I've seen a couple of comments that were like, this definitely isn't happening. And I'm like, possibly. I Let's don't know. see, come on, yeah. give it a chance. The, the, reason, the reason is for it is, you know, it's like, you've got to think about like, if bands aren't booking tours at all, even just taking that chance of having that possibility of postponing it. Yeah. When in that lockdown, you know, say it does come off and venues open and everything goes back to normal the oversaturation of tours trying to come to every venue is almost going to be as bad as COVID because no one's going to be able to get in a slot yeah. in a venue date. So the wise thing to do is to book tours and be like, right, the tour's booked, let's postpone. The tour's booked, let's postpone. And eventually we'll get our foot through the door. But imagine everyone started booking their tour on the mm. day that you were told tours could happen again and it it would be chaotic and also you've got to think about could people even afford to go to that many shows a week what if there was a show every week well that's in what we're going to be looking at right and not only that as well it's not like you can just go and try get yourself on a festival bill for next year because most festivals are either carrying across all the bands they previously had you know so you've got that problem as well in theory if you're not if you're not careful 2021 could be just as you said as quiet as 2020 yeah, yeah. It, I think like that's the one thing that I don't think people have kind of sat down and said to themselves that it's good that, you know, if these venues open and these tours do come on, but it, it's insane to think of how many bands are going to try and book tours and 
book shows and festivals like it it's going to be insane and to even think about if people who attend in shows can even afford that mm. and then there's the other one as well whether or not we even have half of these venues still around come at the that time that... how concerned are you about the future of you know our grassroots venues after today mm -hmm. very concerned after yeah. today like to even to even kind of just say what was said today is insane in itself. Like you think about, you know, the UK as a creative, there's so much over, like there's so much history of music and creativity from the UK. Yeah. And to just throw it in the bin and say, uh, do you know what? Like Liam Gallagher, go and stack some shells in <laughs> Tesco's. And it's like, that's essentially what they said. And it, it's almost like the only, the only thing I can say to them about it is, well, not to them, but to bands is that just ignore it, just ignore it because that's not true at all. Like we will find new ways of doing this. Like yeah. we have the equipment, we have the technology. There is definitely a way we can make it viable for bands to get through this. And I mean, you've got to take into consideration as well of like, how many you know fans of bands who don't want bad things to happen to them and who have supported them from the lockdown, whether it's leftover tour merch that didn't happen. And yeah. it's possible. It's possible like bands will be fine. The venue bit is the really worrying bit though. That I really think is just something we have to find in time. And I think it's it's horrible because a lot of bands don't think about new bands starting. Like, how do these new bands just go to an O2 venue on their first show? Yeah, yeah. They don't, do they? They play pubs, they play yep. small clubs. And if they disappear, we don't get new bands. And we've already had a problem of these bigger bands just not moving over for years. You know, like, it, think about all these huge bands that have been so big for that long and they haven't moved over. We get our, our usual festival headliner roundups. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how many times do you want to see Kiss headline? <laughs> like, they've, they've had their time. Like, if they're watching this, sorry, but like, you've had a good fucking 30, 40 years. Like, They'll you, be fine. <laughs> yeah, they're fine. They're probably, yeah, they're probably sat in their mansion. They're fine. But yeah, I do worry for the venues. I, and it's so hard to even imagine how to support them through this time. Some, there are some, I mean, I don't know uh, all of them, but I know there are some like in Manchester and London that are doing a sort of thing where like buy them a pint. So like buy them the cost of a pint and stuff like that. I guess the answer is if, if they're running donations, donate really, I guess as much as you possibly can. It's the same for bands and all that. It's, it's very difficult. And unfortunately it seems like everybody's always asking you for money and that's kind of the problem. <laughs> Yeah, I think everybody is on the same boat, isn't it? It's kind of like when you sit there and you see bands, venues or whatever, just like, oh, you know, buy this, donate this. And it's like, there are other people's lives involved in this other than just that, you know? And it's like, some people are worried about bills every month and, you know, trying to get by and stuff. And I think that also doesn't get, you know, spoken about as such mm -hmm. that people, you know, how many people have lost their jobs this year? 
Absolutely. You know I mean? Like they probably buying a ten pound band t shirt is the last thing on their mind right now. It's true. It's true. It's a, it's a very difficult balance to kind of make. And as you said, and I'll say as well, I don't have the answer. And you, you said you don't. So do what you can. Yeah, definitely. I think even just, even if you haven't got the money, just sharing a post or, you know, I, I know it sounds typical. I know it's social media talk, but whether you're on Facebook or Twitter, like a retweet or a share, it will reach someone. Yeah. will be able to and i think people underestimate that a little bit of like oh i don't know how to help i can't help and it's like just share it that'll do something that will work you know yeah. before it'll work again yeah it's better than nothing absolutely right ash last question then um and it's really what kind of comes next because it's clear you never bloody stop that much has become clear um so it's simply there are a ton of reasons to be very excited about the future of Venom Prison, right? Yeah, I mean, we are writing. I think the one thing that has put us in a healthy position now is that for the first time ever, we haven't had insane deadlines to finish records. So that has been the nicest thing where it was kind of like, guys, you're gonna have to record in blah, 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 but, we can start now. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's actually nice. Normally I get off a tour and someone's like, oh, you're in the studio in two months. And I'm like, what? We've got like <laughs> one song. <laughs> so that, that definitely has kind of been nice to kind of, you know, either if me and Ben like send ideas to each other or we meet up and try and, you know, write together and whatnot. And I think it's kind of helped us. It's helped us build you know, a new level of progression, just having more time. And I think that's exciting in itself to kind of be like, okay, I know the tours aren't there, but we're going to bring you a new Venom Prison as such. And back to the bonus tracks we're talking about, that is what time has done. It's made us do something like that. We never had the time to, you know, even think about doing something like that. So that is why album three makes me exciting because like it makes me very excited because we've now had the time and it's now it's now nice to see what capacity we can go to when we push everything a hundred percent even more over the top mm. and that i think is enough to kind of say to people you know there is cool stuff coming it might not be shows but we are going to make more exciting stuff and kind of bring something new and innovative to venom prison I can't stress enough to anyone that is watching and listening. This is very, very exciting. And it's not just what's further down the line, but literally in a few days time, as we said so much throughout this, those new tracks, make sure you check them out, see what's going on with Venom Prison. It is very, very, very fun, exciting times. Ash, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate this. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash GBHBL as well as Big Cartel where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal. What else is life for?